It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand, and Merry Christmas. That's right, the holidays are here, and it is a fantastic time here at the show. And all month long, we're going to be celebrating our very Merry Christmas celebration here at Disney On Demand. And this week, for show number 92, for the week of December 4th, 2014, we are bringing the holidays to you because everybody wants to head home for the holidays. And to help us head home for the holidays, we're going to welcome none other than Eve Gordon to the show. Yes. Eve Gordon, who you may know from I'll Be Home for Christmas, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, American Horror Story, and many other television shows, including the iconic, popular show of the 90s, Felicity. And Eve is going to stop in and talk about her entire career, what it's like being part of these holiday classics like I'll Be Home for Christmas, as well as Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, and the iconic Felicity. She's going to talk about what she's doing now, the Christmas holidays with her family, and many other things. In addition, we have the D-Team here. That's right, you have questions and he has answers, and Aaron's going to answer all your questions and I want to know. We also have the latest rundown from the Walt Disney World Parks with WDW and 2 with our very own Caitlin. And let's not forget the Hollywood Walk with more about our very special guest here this week, Eve Gordon with Lexi, our D-Team member from Down Under. And we're also going to take that walk down Disney history with Nathan with This Week in Disney History. And let's head down to the vault with Jason, as he's going to bring you one of those classic DVD and Blu-rays that you want to add to your collection, especially for the holiday season. So all of you DNs, we have all kinds of fun. We have great news hot off the D-Wire and many things on the horizon as we officially kick off our very Merry Christmas celebration. But before I kick off the show here this week, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by DVC-Rental.com. At DVC-Rental.com, you can save up to 60% on your next Walt Disney World trip just by booking your trip through DVC-Rental.com. You can purchase unused vacation club points and stay at the best Disney resorts from the Polynesian, the Grand Floridian, Animal Kingdom, and more just by booking your trip through dvc-rental.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all VD heads, with the holiday season here, I am excited. It's our very merry month-long Christmas celebration. So let's officially kick off show number 92 for the week of December 4th, 2014. How else? But by kicking it off in style at the Disney parks. Be right back, all VD heads. So, the big day has finally arrived. You know, I wanted to spend Christmas here for a long time, and now that it's finally happening, I just hope I get it right. This is one of my biggest dreams, and I don't want to let you down. When you wish upon a star, your dreams do come true. You would know. Hey, let's do a show. Cue the music! Well, the time of year is here again To throw a party for a few close friends now I'm just tying up a few loose ends And then we should be good to go You know I made a list and checked it twice Because forgetting people isn't nice But I don't really want to roll the dice So I'll recheck it nice and slow Cinderella, check! 
check. Seven dwarves. Check, 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 check. Are you ready for Christmas? Everyone watching at home. Hello. Hey, Neil. It's Nick. I'm on my way to Disneyland. Can you keep singing for another two minutes? Can I keep singing for another two minutes? Tell him, Newsy. Extra, extra. Neil Patrick Harris can keep singing for another two minutes. You can feel the magic in the air. You can see it in Rapunzel's hair. And that bunch of villains over there. Your wish is my command Well, I could really use a marching band To take this number all the way Marching band! Check! Yeah, for now! Check! Check! Somebody sounds congested. You don't know the power of the dark side. Oh, Darth, you need to turn that dark side into a Disney side. Massive fireworks to 
I want a traditional Christmas with snow and stockings and eggnog and carolers. Jake was looking forward to the best Christmas of his life. Still planning on coming home for Christmas? Yes, sir. He and Allie were flying home to be with his family. Pick you up tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock. Okay. Until a practical joke. Something wrong, fellas? Changed his plan. All right, Jake, where are you? Changed his wardrobe. I'm in the middle of nowhere dressed like Santa Claus being attacked by a killer buzzard. Changed his life. Wish I were dead. I said I wished I were dead. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. This holiday season. Get out of there. Mama's teeth have fallen out of her mouth again. Santa's got a brand new bag. Santa just yammied in your handbag. But now. His unbelievable journey. Come on, Jake. We can make it. Father Christmas, just tell me what you want from me. Is about to become <laughs> something very special. Maybe I should just go with it. Yeah, from Coney Island to the Sunset Strip. Somebody's gonna put this on. Act like my elf. How the elves act? Happy. Walt Disney Pictures invites you. No, no, don't turn left. Don't turn left. To join Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Please send the class. For the ultimate Christmas feeling. Uh-oh. Oh boy, wet lap, wet lap. Disney's I'll Be Home for Christmas. Check this out. Tell me what's better. Ho ho ho, Merry Christmas. Ho ho ho, Merry Christmas. The first one's good for really little kids. And the second one's good if you want to scare people and watch them right away screaming. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. You let's cool. Chris, Chris Kringle with a tingle, lingle, lingle has started on his merry way. Chris, Chris Kringle with a tingle, lingle, lingle. Has a brand new reindeer-driven sleigh It's filled with toys for girls and boys And things you youngsters like to see There's gifts for Pop and gifts for Mom To spread around your Christmas tree Chris, Chris Kringle with a tingle-ingle-ingle has worked so hard throughout the year. He'll soon be here with a tingle-ingle-ingle to bring us all some Christmas cheer. So hang your stocking by the fireplace and down the chimney with a smiling face will come Chris, Chris Kringle with a tingle-ingle-ingle with a tingle-lingle-lingle-lingle-ling. Chris, Chris Kringle, with a tingle-lingle-lingle, has started on his merry way. Chris, Chris Kringle, with a tingle-lingle-lingle, has a brand new reindeer-driven sleigh. It's filled with toys for girls and boys. 
and things you youngsters like to see. Why, there's gifts for Pop, and there's gifts for Mom, to spread around your Christmas tree. Chris, Chris Kringle, with a tingle, lingle, lingle, has worked so hard throughout the year. And he'll soon be here with a tingle, lingle, lingle, to bring us all some Christmas cheer. So hang your stocking by the fireplace and down the chimney. With a smiling face will come Chris Chris Kringle with a tingle lingle lingle with a tingle lingle lingle lingle. Merry Christmas! Hello, this is Shanda Bell, the co-author of The Elf on the Shelf, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's Final too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Kari, Kari McKean. It's like Kari only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney On Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig. You know, with the reassuring of the parents and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. You will. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 92 for the week of December 4th, 2014, as we're officially kicking off our month-long Very Merry Christmas Celebration shows. And this week, we have some great fun, as you'll be home for Christmas, as we have Eve Gordon from I'll Be Home for Christmas, as well as Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, Felicity, and more. Stopping in here very shortly. We have tons of things from the D-team, as the D-team's going to be stopping in with their signature segments, all kinds of holiday fun, and more. So there's a lot of great things on the horizon. Now before I jump into news hot off the D-Wire, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can also friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N-D-I-Z. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Disney Blue. That's B-L-U or Diz Radio. D-I-Z Radio. And remember, you can always connect up with the latest episodes on your tablets, your iPhones, your Androids, and more just by subscribing in iTunes or Stitcher Radio and get the latest shows right there on your mobile device. So all of you D-heads, with that said, we are officially kicking off show number 92 for the week of December 4th, 2014. And first off, I'm going to say Merry Christmas. Yes, I don't believe in doing the whole Happy Holidays thing, but I also take into account everybody else that celebrates something different. I myself celebrate Christmas, so I am going to go ahead and say Merry Christmas. But also, if you celebrate Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, have a great Hanukkah or Kwanzaa. 
definitely wish it back to me. If that's what you celebrate, wish me that as well. I believe that everybody should embrace what they celebrate. But coming from me, it'll be Merry Christmas. Whereas my neighbor here at the DoD Studios, they're Jewish and they're celebrating Hanukkah. And they wish me a great Hanukkah as well. So you know what? I say unify it, make it one, but just do away with the stupid Happy Holidays BS. So all of you D-Heads, let's jump into news hot off the D-Wire here this week. And first things first, how about Uncle Walt Disney? Yes, tomorrow, December 5th, is Walt Disney's official birthday. Yes, if it wasn't for Uncle Walt, we wouldn't be here this week. We wouldn't have the animated classics, the parks, and all the fantastic things that we all love as a Disney community. It is because of that man and that mouse that many of us join together and we do these great things at the parks. We all have podcasts. We listen to great shows and we enjoy movies and animated specials and Disney classics and all the different nuances that make you just basically bring Disney into your home and pass it down to generations. My parents passed it on to me. I pass it on to my children. And it is all because of Uncle Walt Disney himself. So happy birthday to the man himself, Uncle Walt Disney, the man who will never understand or know how much he has influenced and impacted my life, my direction, and actually what I am doing now. So happy birthday to the man that created it all. Now also, as I already mentioned, this month we're going to be doing our very Merry Christmas episodes. So get ready all month long as we have some great Christmas celebration here at the show, some great special guests, some music, and more, and all the things to make it just a holly jolly Christmas. So get ready, all of you D-heads, for that. Now, getting into the news hot off the D-Wire, how about Disney to launch educational apps? That's right, Disney is arguably the most trusted brand name parents look for in children's entertainment. From film, theme park experiences, and more, and that trust now is even going into consumer areas such as toys, clothing lines, music, and more. But how about the Walt Disney Company trying to expand on parents' confidence in its brand and moving into the area of educational applications. That's right. This last Thursday, Disney announced a push into the digital interactive educational apps designed to help young children learn. Now, the company said that it is launching a line of digital applications in the upcoming weeks that will help children ages 3 to 8 learn basic math skills and more. And over time, the app collection, a technological initiative called by the Disney Imagine Academy, will grow and include science, art, reading, and social skill studies, as well as even target older children too. And all the apps are going to be ad-free. That's right, you heard me correct. It is going to be ad-free and 100% educational. Now, the base app is free, though others will range in cost from $4.99 all the way up to $20, depending on the enhanced activities of the apps. Now, there's also going to be a companion app for parents that will allow them to keep track of their kids' activities on a separate mobile device. Now, the app will also help guide parents through interacting with children and encouraging their study development. Now, Disney Publishing Worldwide Official quoted this last week in the New York Times, and it said the initiative will eventually include interactive books, toys, as well. Now, according to a recent Bloomberg News report, mobile education apps grew up 13% annually in the United States over the last five years to $228 million in 2013. And it is said that it is going to be over $410 million by 2018. And Disney is just jumping on this once again, and they're going to have a lot of great things on there. Now, I will say, if it is done in true Disney style, I'm sure they're going to be educational, fun, and exactly what people need to help enrich and grow. Now, this isn't going to repeat place teachers or education in the classroom, but it definitely will enhance and make things a little bit better since we are living in a technological society. 
Now, since we are talking about technology in the future, how about Star Wars? Yes, this last week, we all caught that 88 seconds of glory with, with the first Star Wars teaser for Episode 7. A lot of great things in there. I'm not going to just go over that more. I'm sure you've seen it everywhere. It just been has been just non-stop all over the web. But how about Star Wars Weekends 2015? to officially be getting their dates released. Yes, now the official weekend dates for Star Wars Weekends at the Hollywood Studios for 2015 have been released. They're going to have May 15th through the 17th, the 22nd through the 24th, the 29th through the 31st, and June 5th through the 7th, and June 12th through the 14th. Now, we are all excited for this because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of great things that are going to be happening at the Star Wars Weekends this year, including all the fun that we already know and love, but also with the newest episodes seven getting released i'm sure we're gonna have some extra special treats in store for hollywood studios and star wars weekends in the upcoming year now no events or guests have yet been confirmed but you'll have to guess that with the force awakens presence it's going to be a great great hollywood studios star wars weekends event now since we are talking about films and also the parks there's no getting around Frozen. Yes, it is still around, still going strong. And how about Frozen Fever to debut with Disney's Cinderella? Yes, this news is pretty simple and out there with the Walt Disney Company just really banking on Frozen and how popular it is. So much so, I believe it kind of ruined Once Upon a Time on ABC with the whole Anna and Elsa story. Not needed on Once Upon a Time. But with so many different things going on, Disney is not hesitating in debuting an all-new short set in the world of Frozen prior to all the theatrical releases of Cinderella when it opens on March 13th, 2015. Now, the short will be directed by Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck, who, of course, directed the 2013 blockbuster Frozen. And let's just say that there's going to be a lot of different elements that will be added into this to just give everybody something new, give them their Frozen fix, and more but frozen is not going away now this will be in front of every single screening of cinderella that is debuting march 13th 2015. now we all know that frozen 2 will be coming sometime soon but probably not until probably 2017 or 2018 so this might tide people over until that time Now, since we're continuing on with films, I'm keeping news moving along here this week. How about The Rock? Yes, Dwayne Johnson is set to star in Walt Disney's Mona. Yes, if there is anyone in Hollywood who is absolutely jam-packed with their schedule, it is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. With two films already in post-production for a 2015 release, he's already secured himself for roles in projects that span all the way through 2019. As if the former WWE superstar didn't already have a full schedule ahead of him, he is no stranger to the Walt Disney company as he was in the Race to Witch Mountain movie which banked off the franchise of Escape to Witch Mountain and Return to Witch Mountain. Now, for everybody who is not sure of the new Disney animated feature, Mona follows the story of a young girl. She is the daughter of a chief and part of a long line of navigators. When Mona decides to use her inherent navigational skills to journey to a fabled island, she is accompanied by a demigod by the name of Maui. This is where The Rock comes into play. Now, the adventurous young girl is being voiced by Naomi. Now, this isn't the first time that she has worked with Disney as she was part of the Mouse House in the past. She also starred as the main character in the Disney Channel series Evermore. Now, if there's anything that can be said about The Rock, he has the unique ability to be adventurous, courageous, and also very family-friendly. Now, Moni is being directed by the team of Ron Clemens and John Musker, and the duo is no stranger to the magical world of Walt Disney as they have put together great films that we all know and love like The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and The Princess and the Frog. Now, this is scheduled to be released on November 23rd, 2016, and even though many people in the Disney community have said it isn't a musical, 
Fear not, it actually is. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to cut news a little bit short here. We have all kinds of fun. I'm going to release the reins to the D-team. You have questions, he has answers. Aaron's going to be stopping in with I Want to Know. We have the latest with what's going on in Disney history. With This Week in Disney History with Nathan. We also have the latest from the Walt Disney World Resorts with WDW and 2. We have our D-team member from Down Under Lexi and also The Vault with Jason. So many things on the horizon as we gear up for our very special guest here this week, Eve Gordon from I'll Be Home for Christmas. Honey, we shrunk our Felicity, and more, as she's going to be stopping in and celebrating the holidays with all of us. So before I release the reins to the D-Team, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is proudly sponsored by DVC-Rental.com. At DVC-Rental.com, you can save up to 60% on your next Walt Disney World vacation by purchasing points that are unused from Vacation Club members. There you can stay at great resorts like the Grand Floridian, Polynesian, Animal Kingdom, and more just by purchasing those points from dvc-rental.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to release the reins to the D-team. We have all kinds of holiday Christmas fun on the horizon, and it is the greatest time of year. Christmas is here. It's fun. There's presents, family, friends, and so many different things. So let's release the reins here, and next time I come back, we're going to have more holiday fun on the horizon as we continue on with the kickoff of our very Merry Christmas celebration. Be right back, all VG heads. kind of feeling in the air it only happens at this time of year when everyone is filled with love and cheer that's what matters pretty paper boxes tied with bows walking in the sun
troopers <laughs> their dealings with stressed envelope to Davis and Kurt right down that why did you bring me to this old shack this is the home of your overworked underpaid employee Bob Cratchit what's she cooking a canary surely they have more food than that look on the fire that that's your laundry children we must wait for tiny tim coming father i'm coming <laughs> oh my look at all the wonderful things to eat we must thank mr scrooge tell me spirit what's wrong with that kind lad much i'm afraid if these shadows remain unchanged, I see an empty chair where Tiny Tim once sat. Hello, this is Haley Mills, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads. This is Aaron, and I'm back with another installment of I Want to Know. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Now we begin my favorite time of the year. I'm already ODing on the 25 Days of Christmas on ABC Family. Sure hope you are too. Well, the virtual mailbag is full, so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Michelle of North Carolina, and she writes, I Want to Know and Aaron... I've been watching Disney Christmas movies since I can remember. I've been searching for one I cannot find anywhere. I believe it was with Goofy and Max from Goof Troop. It was a Christmas special and I think it also showed other Disney Christmas or winter cartoons. Any thoughts? Thank you. Well, I do love a good Goofy cartoon. I believe the show you're referring to is A Goof Troop Christmas. A Goof Troop Christmas, Have Yourself a Goofy Little Christmas, is a half-hour Christmas special spun off from the Disney Afternoon animated series Goof Troop. It was originally broadcast as part of a one-hour special in syndication, which also included two classic Disney animated shorts and a behind-the-scenes look at the animated feature film Aladdin. As usual, Goofy's going all out for Christmas, and Max is more concerned on how he can maintain his cool image. It's a hilarious cartoon. The Goof Troop Christmas was made available on home video for the first time as part of the Happy Holidays with Darkwing Duck and Goofy VHS tape, in which it was paired with the Darkwing Duck Christmas episode, It's a Wonderful Leaf. The special was later released as a standalone DVD sold exclusively through the Disney Movie Club in 2008. The DVD was later promoted to being sold exclusively at Walmart stores starting on October 14, 2014, with a general retail release coming on January 27, 2015. It's definitely one I have to go get. Our next question is from Terry H., and he writes... Love the show, team. As we were getting ready for the holidays, it made it got me thinking about Christmas time at the parks. When did Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Parade start? Has it gone through any changes over time? Is the soundtrack available anywhere? 
Well, this is definitely a must-see as parades go. The parade started as Mickey's Christmas Cavalcade, starting in 1975. This early incarnation of Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Parade ended in 1993. Quite a run. Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Parade ran from 1994 to 2006. The current parade, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas Time Parade, started in 2007 and runs today. There isn't a soundtrack anywhere out there, but there are some great videos on YouTube if you want to relive some of the old parades. Well, our final question this week is from Josh, and he writes, Diz Radio's Aaron, and I want to know, My name is Josh, and I love your podcast. I listen to it all the time with my dad and my brother. I wanted to ask you a question about Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. As much as I really like the first one, this one means more to me from my childhood. Was this the first time Mickey appeared as CGI, or was Clubhouse before this? And will we be seeing a third upon a Christmas anytime soon? Your faithful D-Head. Well, this is definitely one of my favorites. My son loves these Christmas specials. Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas is a 2004 computer animated direct-to-video film produced by Disney Toon Studios. The segments in this video feature Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Pluto, Goofy, Max, Donald Duck, Daisy Duck, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and Scrooge McDuck. The five segments on this DVD are Bells on Ice, Christmas Impossible, Christmas Maximus, Donald's Gift, and Mickey's Doggone Christmas. Along with Mickey's Philharmagic theme park attraction, this production was one of the first to depict the Mickey Mouse series characters with 3D computer animation. The film was released in a two-movie collection, Blu-ray and DVD, with Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas on November 4th, 2014. Definitely need to add this one to my collection, too. And as far as a third installment, I'm sure I speak for everyone when I say, I sure hope so. But I hope they return to the traditional animation. I think it's a little bit better. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads, and Merry Christmas. Once upon a time, in a magic land, a Christmas celebration was held. Mickey, Minnie, and all their friends were there to share their favorite holiday stories. Today, we invite you to join this celebration 
as the magic of a Disney Christmas fills the air. Merry Christmas. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The Magic Kingdom proudly presents our holiday celebration. Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Parade. Hi there, it's Caitlin here with WDWN2, a quick rundown of what's happening in the parks. The Candlelight Processional is in full swing at Epcot for the holidays. Upcoming guest narrators include Whoopi Goldberg, LeVar Burton, Edward James Olmos, Cheetah Rivera, Marley Matlin, and more. It's such a beautiful Christmas tradition at the parks. Be sure not to miss it. Are you a golf fan? Well, if you are, Disney is offering holiday golf day camps for juniors ages 7 through 17. The dates for these special events are December 22nd, 23rd, 29th, and 30th, and the camp runs from 9 to 3. For more information, visit golfwdw.com. If you're in the area or at the parks over winter break, this sounds like a really unique opportunity. One more tip in holiday news. If you're at the Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, be sure to stop by the stage in Adventureland to hear the Rusty Cutlass Pirate Band. They have a repertoire full of Christmas classics you'll love to listen to. In Disney Parks merchandise news, some brand new Alex and Annie bangles will be released very soon. The new line is called Words Are Powerful and is inspired by classic Disney quotes like Hakuna Matata and It All Started With a Mouse. There's also an adorable 2015 bangle on the horizon. All will be available starting December 15th at Disney Parks. Check merchandise locations like the Emporium and Magic Kingdom and the World of Disney Store at the Downtown Disney Marketplace. One last thing for those of you who plan ahead, the dates for Star Wars Weekend at Hollywood Studios have been announced. They'll be every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from May 15th through June 14th. And with The Force Awakens just around the corner, it's sure to be more than a little exciting. Thanks for listening, and until next time, don't forget, you can fly. <laughs> hey, here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Vixen and Blitzen and all his reindeer pulling on the rain. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. Hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. <laughs> Gosh, this is fun. Yeah, <laughs> come on, let's all join in. Stocking cap on, but I can't sleep. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa 
what to write her. Dearest Karen, it's great to hear that you and your family are going to the Walt Disney World Resort for Christmas. Mrs. Claus and I always make a special visit there on Christmas Day. So don't worry, I'll find you. Karen, you and your family are in for a big treat. My friends there work very hard to get ready for all the Christmas festivities. It all begins at warehouse number nine. You see, Karen, Mickey Mouse and the rest of the gang are in charge of spreading all the Christmas cheer. Here, Mickey and his friends find everything they need to make a jolly holiday at all the Disney parks and resorts. Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand, a new kind of Disney show.
Hi again, D-Heads, and welcome back from Thanksgiving. I hope you and your families enjoyed a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday and really took the time to enjoy each other. It's nice having those few days off to relax and regenerate, get a little shopping done, enjoy some family time at home, and just really think about what you're thankful for. Now on with the show this week. Welcome to another installment of This Week in Disney History. I am Nathan, and ready to take you through another segment's worth of historical Disney facts and potential trivia. We have a lot of Disney news this week, as December always kicks off Walt Disney Month. So bear with me, sit back, and enjoy all the trivia and factoid offerings this week. Starting out this jam-packed week in Disney history, we start in 1835, with writer and humorist Mark Twain being born Samuel Langhorne Clemens in the small town of Florida, Missouri. As you know, Walt admired Twain in his writing, and much of his footprint can be seen throughout the parks. Moving on to 1901, where we need no introduction, Walter Elias Disney is born to Flora and Elias Disney in their two-story cottage at 1249 Trip Avenue in the newly developed section of Chicago, Illinois. Walter's son number four to the Disney family was named to honor the family pastor, Walter Parr. Later on in life, Pastor Parr names his son, in turn, Elias, to Walt Disney's father. In 1903, Ruth F. Disney, Walt Disney's only sister and the youngest child in the family, is born in Chicago, Illinois. Later in life as a young adult, Ruth moved to Portland, Oregon and married Theodore Beecher and had a son named Ted. Moving on to 1927, actor Robert Guillaume, the voice of Rafiki in the Lion King animated feature, is born in St. Louis, Missouri. In 1943, much news of the success of the Disney Animation Company and a birthday greeting for Walt arrived. Walt Disney receives a birthday greeting from Clarence Nash, who is the voice of none other than Donald Duck. Nash wrote from Wichita, Kansas, and his letter to Walt includes these words, You know how, you no doubt have many felicitations on this day. I too would like to add mine. So many happy returns of the day. Donald and I have been knocking around a lot. It is work, especially the way travel is today. We've been doing pretty well, too. In Lawton, Oklahoma, they had to turn away about 200 school children. In 1949, actor and producer Jeff Bridges, the star of Disney's 1982 and its 2010 sequel, Tron, is born in Los Angeles, California. Jeff is the son of actor Lloyd Bridges and wife Dorothy Dean. In 1952, Walt's oldest brother, Herb Disney, retires from the post office after more than 37 years of employment. In his younger days, Walt, too, worked for the post office in Chicago. In 1953, actor and theater producer Tom Holchey, the voice of Quasimodo in Disney's 96 animated release of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, is born in Detroit, Michigan. In 1958, construction of Florida's Interstate 4 begins. The final link of the highway is to be completed in February of 65. Interstate 4 is a diagonal northeast-southwest route for much of its length, and I-4 will provide access to all of Orlando's future theme parks, resorts, and tourist attractions, including none other than Walt Disney World. In 1965, Disney's live-action feature film, That Darn Cat, starring Haley Mills and Dean Jones, is released. In 1966, an ill Walt Disney celebrates what will be his last birthday in a California hospital. He received a wire letter this day from his brother Roy that stated, Hope this finds you feeling better. This is your day, and Edna and I send our love not only for today, but always. In 1973, actor Bruno Campos, the voice of Prince Naveen in Disney's 2009 The Princess and the Frog, is born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. In 1981, Britney Jean Spears, a member of Disney Channel's The All-New Mickey Mouse Club, is born in Kentwood, Louisiana. In 
1985, Dumbo becomes the third Walt Disney classic to be released on video cassette. In 1998, in 1931, Mickey Mouse doll sells for 4,370 pounds in London, England at auction, at Christie's Teddy Bear Auction in London, England. 4,370 pounds roughly equates out to about 7,250 American dollars. That's a lot of money for a classic Mickey Mouse doll. In 1988, engineer and logistical planner Joe Potter passes away in Orlando, Florida. Potter became a Disney legend in 1996 and served as one-time governor of the Panama Canal Zone and also served as vice president for Epcot Planning and senior vice president of Walt Disney World Company. Disney head Dick Nunes also said, without Joe Potter, there would be no Walt Disney World today. In 1999, Disney legend Joe Fowler passes away at the age of 99 in Orlando, Florida. Fowler was a retired U.S. Navy Admiral, and in honor of him, in 1999, one of the ferry boats in Seven Seas Lagoon was renamed the Admiral Joe Fowler. He, is a Di- he was a Disney Company retiree since 1978, after overseeing construction at both Disneyland and Disney World, as well as having two riverboat the two riverboat dock at Disneyland's Rivers of America named Fowler's Harbor. In 2001, Disney fans around the world rejoiced and celebrated Walter Elias Disney's 100th birthday today. Also in 2001, Walt Disney's hometown had a 100th birthday celebration for him in Marceline, Missouri, and took place with a variety of activities, including the town's Uptown Theater, hosted free showings of the very first two Disney movies that ever premiered in Marceline, The Great Locomotive Chase and The Spirit of Mickey. Also earlier on in the evening, they started selling sparkling fruit juice on Main Street, USA, in front of Ripley Park, where the city toasted Disney during a special ceremony. Also for Disney's 100th birthday in 2001, Disneyland Paris had over 100 Disney character meet and greets to greet the fans from around the world to celebrate Walt's birthday. Moving on to 2002, a new website called SaveDisney.com is registered. It'll be devoted to those concerned about the welfare of the Walt Disney Company and its future direction. Roy E. Disney and Stan Gold use this website as a central information location as they help to restore Disney to its position as the uh, preeminent company in the world when it comes to family entertainment. In 2003, MouseFest 2003, the largest Walt Disney World gathering of Disney fans from around the internet, began in Florida. The nine-day event encompassed about 24 online communities all sharing their love for the mouse. Also in 2003, Walt Disney World's new Pop Century Resort hosts an open mouse for cast members only. Phase 1 The Classic Years is set to open up in December, on December 14th. In 2004, Disney's PhotoPass debuted in all four Walt Disney World theme parks, and now guests have the pic- can have pictures taken by the theme park photographers instead of receiving a paper claim. They'll now be given a Disney PhotoPass card that links all their vacation photos together onto one account, and they can do easy online viewing, sharing, and purchasing through this method. In 2006, Atlantic Monthly Magazine announced the top 100 most influential figures in American history, and number 26 is Walt Disney. In 2007, a promotional tour for High School Musical 2, featuring Lucas Grabeel, who played Ryan Evans, and Monique Coleman, who played Taylor McKessie, stopped at the Castle Towers Shopping Center in Sydney, Australia. High School Musical 2 premiered later that evening on Australia's Channel 7. Also in 2007, Walt Disney Records released the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack, Treasures Collection, 
which was a five-disc box set featuring music from all three films. In 2010, the much-anticipated video game Epic Mickey is released in North America, designed by Warren Spector, with 2D cinemas by Powerhouse Animation Studios, and developed by Junction Point Studios for the Wii console, Epic Mickey is part of an effort by the Walt Disney Company to rebrand the Mickey Mouse character. Also in relation to Epic Mickey news, in New York City, actress Jennifer Grey celebrated her recent Dancing with the Stars victory along with fellow contestant Kyle Massey at a special presentation for the launch of Disney's Epic Mickey at the new Disney store in Times Square. Also in 2010, Waking Sleeping Beauty is released to DVD. Waking Sleeping Beauty was a 2009 documentary film directed by Disney film producer Don Hahn and produced by Hahn and former Disney executive Peter Schneider. It reveals the history of Walt Disney feature animation and the making of The Fox and the Hound in 1980 to the release of 1994's The Lion King. I've personally seen this documentary, and it's an amazing documentary. If you're into Disney documentaries at all, I strongly suggest that you check this out. Moving on to 2011, we have a good chunk of news. A new television series, Austin and Alley, premieres on the Disney Channel. The series was created by Kevin Coppolow and Heath Seifert, who were the writers and producers of Disney Channel's other hits, Sonny with a Chance and Jonas. Austin and Allie centered on the unique relationship between a young, songwriter, young songwriter, Allie Dawson, and Austin Ray, the overnight internet sensation who suddenly gained a lot of notoriety after performing one of Allie's songs. And a million hits is what they will surely get, as this show gained a lot of huge following and boost in popularity. My daughter and I are still addicted. And then moving on to 2012, Walt Disney Studios announced that it has completed a deal to show films from its Disney, Pixar, and Marvel banners on Netflix. The agreement is the first time one of Hollywood's big studios has chosen web streaming over pay television. Also in 2012, Walt Disney World marks the grand opening of the new Fantasyland as Magic Kingdom Park with actress Jennifer Goodwin, who portrays Snow White on the ABC series Once Upon a Time. This is the largest expansion in the park's 41-year history at the Magic Kingdom, and has now expanded it from 10 acres to a whopping 21. Tons of new attractions include the Under, Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid, Enchanted Tales of Belle, and a duplicate Dumbo ride, which was improved. The expansion also featured Beast Castle, which will sit atop the Be Our Guest restaurant, and Storybook Circus, which has already been open to guests since this March. Also, in 2012, over at Epcot, a newly reimagined test track opened, and the iconic attraction, open since 99, will now collaborate between Chevrolet Design and Walt Disney Imagineering. And closing out this week in Disney history, in 2013, WestJet and Disney Parks Canada hold an event at the WestJet Hangar in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, to unveil the magic plane. This iconic Boeing 737 now features Sorcerer Mickey on the tail. Well, D-Heads, that's all again for this week in Disney history. I hope you enjoyed it, and as always, learned something new that maybe you didn't know. And a very happy birthday to Walt Disney and his sister Ruth, for without him and his unwavering determination, none of us would be here today with anything Disney to talk about. Have a great week, and see you real soon. Let me see. We have a scarf for Skywalker, right? Yes. And perfume for the princess? Yes. yes. What about Han Solo? Couldn't we get him here, Mom? That leaves one big problem. The Wookiee! <laughs> Where do we get him a comb? We gave him a comb last year. What can you get? A wooden for Christmas when he already owns a comb. What can you get in a hurry for a furry kind of friend like that? Take home. 
Envelope to Davis and Kirk. Write down that. Uh, what? What's that? Someone calling me? Oh. Huh? All right, hold on. I'm coming. I'm coming. Hello, hello. Jiminy Cricket speaking. Jiminy, you always wanted to produce a show. It's the boss. Yes. Well, how would you like to help us put together a brand new animated film? Me? Yes, you. Make it a Christmas story and see if Mickey and the rest of the gang will come back and lend us a hand. Okay. Oh, and by the way, Jiminy, have a good show, but watch the budget. Oh, dear. Enjoy yourself. Let's see now. Get Mickey and his gang, have a good show, but watch the budget. Watch the budget? Oh, heavens to Betsy. Walt Disney Studios, home to characters and stories spun from pure cinematic magic. But up until 1983, the Disney character who started the whole enchanted operation hadn't made a movie in 30 years. Get Mickey Mouse on the phone. Rounding up an all-star animated cast for Mickey's Christmas Carol was only the beginning. A production team of artists and technicians would have to be gathered to create a film that would stand proudly next to the Disney animated classics of the past. Coordinating the team's efforts was the job of director Bernie Mattinson. Bernie started work in the studio mailroom the same year his star, Mickey, made his last big screen appearance in 1953. Thirty years later, Bernie became the one person most responsible for Mickey's historic comeback. Let's start those projectors and look at this week's Hollywood Walk. Everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving. And now it is time to get excited for the rest of the holiday season, Christmas included. I know that I am excited about this week's special guest in particular. We are lucky enough to be joined by the very talented Eve Gordon. We know Eve from fantastic holiday films like I'll Be Home for Christmas. I love that film and I do watch it most Christmases. 
how could you not love it with such a fantastic cast, including Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Gary Cole, Lauren Maltby, Jessica Biel, and of course, this week's special guest, Eve Gordon. That is why it is especially fitting that we are hearing from her in our holiday season. Now, for some background information. Eve is from Pennsylvania, and she comes from a very interesting family. Her father was a professor and a lawyer, and her mother was a historian. That almost explains why Eve graduated with honours in history from Brown University, and then went on to earn her MFA in acting from the Yale School of Drama. It is no surprise that Eve worked hard to make herself successful. So, Eve began her acting career at quite a young age. Now, she got straight onto the big screen. As this week's special guest began her career with the film The World According to Garb. And after that, she's lent her talents to so many great films, including Come On Get Happy, The Partridge Story Family, Avalon, and Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous. Also, Eve starred in Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, as Diane Sislansky. Now, this is a 1997 direct-to-video sequel to the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid films. <laughs> now, I know that every Disney fan loves those movies. They are just too much fun. However, it is not only on the big screen that we can see this week's special guest. Eve is also a wonderful TV actress. Over the years, she has appeared in fantastic shows, like ER, and she even played none other than the gorgeous Marilyn Monroe in the Emmy Award-winning miniseries, A Woman Named Jackie. After that, Eve lent her talents to roles like the congressional aide Jordan Miller in the show The Powers That Be, and the mother in the drama series Felicity. Also. Eve has appeared in countless other shows. These range from comedies to dramas. So it is safe to say that this week's special guest is incredibly talented. We can see Eve in shows like Almost Grown, The Cosby Show, Murphy Brown, Party of Five, Monk, Veronica Mars, Grey's Anatomy, Mad Men, Scandal, and Supernatural. Now, if that list of projects is not already long enough, Eve also has a love of performing on stage. She has been in a variety of stage shows, including musicals, classics, and comedies. It seems that there really is nothing that this week's special guest cannot do. So, thank you, Eve Gordon. Without you, the Christmas season and Disney would definitely not be the same. Coming soon from Walt Disney Pictures. When he shrunk the kids, he promised his shrinking days were over. All right, shrink machine, one last time. But Rick Moranis has done it again. We have critical mess. Only this time. Are we shrunk? You shrunk us? He's still got a few bugs to work out. From the makers of the smash hit, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, comes a hilarious new movie, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. You idiot! Don't you be They can step on us! Now, they'll go to any lengths. I'm scared stiff. And any heights to get the kids' attention. 
before it's too late. Get ready to party. You can't have a party. What are you going to do about it, Thumbelina? You are deadly, Mr. Clark. You're three quarters of an inch tall. It's the fastest. Hold on! It's a jump! The laundry shoot! It's the funniest. We're going over! I don't think we're using enough fabric softener. Jump! Hang on. To what? It's the tastiest. They're teenage girls. How much can they eat? Watch out! And it's the wildest motion picture event of the year. Please, honey, we shrunk ourselves. You know, Dad, I didn't invite those boys over. Coming exclusively to video. Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And this week, as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many of those people you see scattered throughout some of the classics that you love, especially during the holiday season like now. And we have somebody here who you have seen on a variety of different things, American Horror Story, uh, theater, much more. But you Disney fans know her for the holidays as I'll Be Home for Christmas. And also, honey, we shrunk ourselves. We have none other than Eve Gordon here with us. Welcome to Disney On Demand. No. Hello, everybody. <laughs> it is our pleasure having you on. I mean, what better time to have somebody on than, you know, many of the holiday classics people like to pass on from generation to generation. But before we touch base upon so many different things you've done from television, Disney, and many other things, I guess, what got you started into acting? Oh, um, well, actually, I was always in plays in uh, elementary school and high school and college, but I never thought I would do it for a living because I thought it was not a sensible job for a person. So I was pretty much pre-law. I was going to go to Harvard for history grad school and went to Brown and got honors in history. I was totally going to be an intellectual. And then uh, my father told me he wouldn't pay for graduate school but I, he would pay for anything at Yale because um, of a fellowship he could get me. So I applied to the Yale Drama School on a whim. I thought a year of acting would help my law school career. And then I got in, and I went to Yale, and it was my little secret that I was really going to go to law school, and everyone else was there as an actor, and I felt like a fraud for a while. And then uh, John Madden, the man who directed Shakespeare in Love and um, a few other wonderful films, he was my second-year Shakespeare teacher, and he said he took me out to breakfast and said, why is it I feel like you've got one foot out the door all the time? And I said, well, I'll tell you my secret, John. I'm really not an actor. I'm a lawyer. And he said, okay, you're an actor. Next. You know, he just didn't want to hear any more about this nonsense. And it actually made me realize that I had been fooling myself and that, of course, I loved acting. And, and I called my father, who was a lawyer, and I said, Dad, you know, how do you like being a lawyer? And he said, oh, my God, it's the most boring job in the world. And I said, oh, well, why didn't you tell me that? And so ever since then, I've had the most interesting job in the world. It's totally interesting. It'll never be boring to be an actor. It's fabulous. Well, definitely. You know, especially with, you know, being an actress, too. I mean, you get that to go out there, have fun, be on these sets, pretend to be other people, and tell stories. I mean, it has to truly be fulfilling, I mean, throughout your entire life for, you know, just being able to play dress-up, and that's your job. I, I can never believe they pay me for it, even though I sit there and do hard-line negotiations with my agents all the time. I always say, 
You know, I do this for free, which is why we have a union, because we all have to be protected from ourselves. It's the funnest thing in the world. They go into the hair and makeup trailer. You can look like anything, and you walk in and you just read while they make you look exactly the way you're supposed to look without any effort from you. Then you put on the clothes they've selected for you to look like your character, and you just have to know your lines and your character and be able to embody it, and and then you just get to, yeah, play and, and hang out and tell funny stories, and oh, it's it's really great. <laughs> the bad point well, you know, is auditioning and waiting and, you know, not getting jobs. But if you can handle that, then it's great. Well, with any form of uh, disappointment and not getting something, there's always those fulfilling roles. And, you know, with those roles, of course, is great family entertainment. You know, I myself, I'm a father, four kids. We love watching a variety of different things. And that's going to bring me to some of your Disney things, of course. And, uh, you know, how about uh, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves? I mean, taking over Diane Zielinski, you know, playing opposite, you know, the iconic Rick Moranis. I guess, uh, what was it like jumping into this franchise that is, is everybody loves? I mean, it, it was a time in Disney history that... I don't think it's going to happen again. I uh, no, I was completely thrilled to, to have the honor of doing that, and um, I went through a really rigorous audition process. I don't know what that was all about, because all it was was chatting with me every time. But it all worked out great, and Rick and I got along wonderfully. I didn't know at the time that it was his last. He he was planning to give up acting after that, and it was his own little secret. But he seemed a little bit, you know, quiet a lot. And we did one uh, shot of us climbing the wicker chair, and it was like a real big wicker chair they made for us to climb. And we're climbing it, and he had some funny line. But he did it kind of, in real life, Rick is is an amazingly mature, grown-up, kind of sober, thoughtful. He's so different from his screen persona, it's ridiculous. And he did it a little bit like the real Rick, just kind of serious and thoughtful. So we were doing it again for a second take because they didn't get something right. And I said to Rick, okay, this time make me laugh. And he looked sort of surprised and he said, okay. So we're climbing and he turns down and he says, climb to me. And I burst out laughing, ruining the take because he could just turn it on and be hysterically funny. So we, we played around like that for the rest of the shoot where we would challenge each other to make us laugh. And it was it was really fun. I just adored him. Well, you know, in that kind of film, too, you know, working together, it really comes across on screen. You know, when you're watching the film, they're always you can always tell when people have great chemistry or they're working well together. And, you know, with that kind of film, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, it's kind of, like I said, it's unique. It's fun. It's It's kind of that time before just CGI, you know, just always doing everything in front of a blue screen. I guess, what was it like being part of, like, this, uh, I guess, towards the end of that that golden age of actually having real time effects. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Um Dean uh oh gosh, tell me now, I'm forgetting his last name, but Dean the director was a great cinematographer who did Jurassic Park and he knew everything about special effects. He was very cutting edge and he wanted as many real things happening as possible and he had the whole cast suspended by wires for the um, falling down the laundry shoot thing. But then I found out that I was pregnant with my second child, and he he wouldn't let me do the hanging by wires, even though it's really, really safe. 
And I was begging him, oh, please let me. And he goes, nope, nope, nope. And instead, he had me lie down on a turntable. And he spun the turntable really fast. And then when he put it all together, he said, you know, you spinning on the turntable was a much better effect than the other cast dangling from wires. Who knew? He said, thank goodness you were pregnant so we could do that. <laughs> it was it was great. Being in front of a green screen um, can really make you crazy. And we didn't have to do as much of that on this film as you do on, on today's film. It was wonderful. We had to really climb the wicker chair. We had to really cross a gangplank. That, well, that was the scariest thing. I could almost not do it. They, they we had to do like so many takes because they said Evie still was terrified, and I, I was just completely terrified. And wouldn't it be okay if Diane's really terrified? Can we change the script? Because in the script it had me being very bold and unafraid. And I said, how about we change all characters so that she crawls across on her hands and knees screaming and crying, but no, they didn't. My favorite was the roaches, the, when the roaches are attacking us, because it was so much fun to pretend you're being attacked by roaches and scream and flail, and uh, Dean said that at one point my shirt I was wearing sort of inexplicably uh, raised up in the, the tail of it, kind of lifted up in the air and hovered there for a second. It was just one of those little moments that happen when you're shaking around. He said it was great because then they added a roach in special effects. They added a picture of a roach tugging at my shirt, which is a really horrendous image. You know, it's so terrifying. I did that the roach actually was tugging at me. And uh, he was pleased by that. Fun. Well, you know, in that kind of film, too, like you said, it's the, the kind of thing where, you know, a lot of great memories that we can tell that you have from that. And it's one of those films that, you know, you pass on to your kids and it's one that you watch down. The whole family can sit down and watch it. And, you know, family films are always something that's fun. And that's going to lead us to, you know, a holiday since it is the holiday time, of course. And I'll be home for Christmas. And, you know, being in that film as well, you know, it's just the, the great fun, you know, comedy kind of movie family friendly and and really emphasizing you know family and being together and i guess you know working on films like that as well um do you like being part of a, i guess the holiday season now because they play that film all the time everywhere people love looking back and just playing that for the holidays i love it and i want to have more and more and more i i have another movie um avalon that i'm in that plays during Thanksgiving frequently, and I always hear from people at Thanksgiving and the 4th of July, which are the two holidays that Avalon uh, talks about a lot. The film takes place on a succession of Thanksgivings and 4th of Julys, and I love that. But the Christmas movie, I'll Be Home for Christmas, makes me so happy. I want to be in more. I'm actually in another one that used to be called a Thousand Men and a Baby, and maybe it still is. Um, I can't remember how, what they finally titled it, with Richard Thomas and me as these uh, Navy parents who end up adopting a Korean boy. Um, it's a really wonderful film, and I've, I've rarely seen it on. I don't know why. I believe that's also another Disney thing, but I'm not really sure. But I love these these Christmas movies and holiday movies and Thanksgiving and everything. It's... It, it, I, I can't get enough of them. I watch It's a Wonderful Life every year, and I cry again every year. I'm a sucker. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, that's the kind of thing, too, where you pass it on with your kids, and I'm sure you really enjoy these with your kids as well. Oh, yes. Well, my, da my daughter is really proud that she's in the movie since I was pregnant with her during the filming. And 
Um, my older daughter was two when I was making the movie and about three when it came out. And uh, I took a bunch of her friends to the premiere, and they were so confused. They After the movie was over, they looked from me to the screen and me to the screen and said, how did you do that? They wanted to know how I stepped off the screen and into the audience to talk to them. They, they just didn't understand the whole concept of the movie. But yes, and now I um, I run into people all the time who saw the movie and they're very, very excited about it. And we talk about the... I talk to my... I have acting students too. People, I teach young people acting. And we often reference that film and what I had to do to get the different scenes because it's, they've all seen it. It's really fun to be in a movie everybody has seen. It's, it's hopeful. Definitely. Well, you know, well, with that too, you know, with everybody seeing it and passing it on, like I said, I pass it on to my kids. Everybody enjoys watching it. And that's going to bring us to something else too, where it's something that's, uh, you know, part of television history and being part of Felicity. I mean, that right there is uh, something that is, it's big. It's the kind of thing where, you know, it touched many people's lives. And being part of that show, is that something that you still get recognized for? Because especially with television now on Blu-ray and DVD and getting re-released, it's almost opening it up to a whole new world of people just discovering Felicity. Oh, absolutely. I taught a, um, I have a, I'm a, I'm a member of an acting company called Antias here in Los Angeles. And they asked me to teach a class one one summer, so I did. And at the end of the summer, it was a, it was a class on, you know, classics. We were delving into Shakespeare and that. And at the end of it, um, one of the actors came up to me when it was all over, and he was blushing scarlet, and he said, I waited until the end to tell you I took this class because of, I'm sorry, I'm being such a geek. And I said, Felicity. And he said, yes! Yes! <laughs> he was really, really... Um, just worshipful about the whole Felicity thing. And I remember at the time when I was in it, I had a friend who's now the executive producer of um, uh, Hot in Cleveland, and he, he said to me, um, you are the mom of the it girl of the 90s. And I said, I guess so. You know, you're just so busy working. You don't, at the time, think of it as such a big deal. But it became a very big deal in a lot of people's minds. It was such a such a beautiful show. I had done a first series I ever did was the first original series created by David Chase, who ended up doing The Sopranos and was really a great, is really a really great TV writer. Many people think the best. So after I did that series, I was holding out for something as good as that for a while and not doing anything else because everything else seemed so bad. And I didn't realize that there was never going to be another David Chase. So I was holding out and holding out, and then came along the Felicity script, and I said, finally, something that's as good as the other David Chase material. And it was just always beautiful material every week. It was astonishing words to be able to say, and I really was, even though I was the mom, I was really rooting for one boy over another on different weeks. And and then um, I I had one scene where I got to gaze off after one of the cute guys and say something like he's cute. And I said, thank you for letting me say that because normally I would be in this mom position of having no no awareness that everybody was so cute. But I think it was Scott Speedman who we called Speedy. And I got to look at him and go, yeah, he's cute. <laughs> I thought, yeah, 
He really is. I can tell, even at my age. <laughs> now, being a part of a show like that, too, you know, and uh, like like you said, you know, being the mother of the it girl of the 90s, it's all connected in some way, too, because she had done a Honey, uh, Honey We Blew Up the Kid movie as well. But I, it's it's the kind of thing where it's all connected, interchanged. Now, do you see any of the cast from, you know, from Felicity or anything like that? Do you ever run into anybody? Carrie and I are still friends, and she came over when her uh, firstborn was a toddler, and we played with the kids on the ground and everything. We're still good friends, and um, we've been in contact. Uh, there was a TV series called The Powers That Be that I was in that Norman Lear produced that had a wonderful cast, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and David Hyde Pierce and John Forsyth and Holland Taylor and Peter McNichol and Robin Bartlett and all these people. And and we have frequent reunions. Norman had a big party at his house for all of us, a big dinner party, and we all told stories and had a great time. And then we have lunches from time to time that um, Norman's assistant, Greg Cope-White, who's now uh, producing a pilot for the Food Network, um, always always uh, organizes. And we get together at, you know, a restaurant in L.A. and we have fun. And a lot of times different writers, like there's a writer uh, um, – God. Grant Yost, is that his name? Who is the showrunner for The Americans, which is Terry Russell's new show. Um, and he comes to our, oh, sorry, Graham Yost. Again, I'm having these middle-aged mental breakdowns. But Graham <laughs> Yost is the showrunner for The Americans, and he um, was a writer on The Powers of Peace, so we would have lunch, and then i go see his show, and Terry's on that show. So, yes, there's all this you know, interconnectedness throughout the business. I always, now when I go on a set, I always know several people from before, and it's an it's a interesting new phase of my career where every time I work, I know people, and sometimes I know how to help things. I think I could actually be a decent producer, but it's just not in my interests at all, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I guess, you know, with all the family entertainment and, you know, seeing people, you know, things like that, you know, shifting on the other side and the darker side and the, uh, I guess, the cult now of American Horror Story and being part of that, I guess, you know, that has, uh, it's almost like a sleeper hit in terms of how much that has taken off. I guess, what was it like being part of something that's so eerie, creepy, and dark? Uh, it was spooky. I want, I asked them if I could bring my sister onto the set one day as I had a recurring part in the first season. And they said, oh, sure, absolutely. And my sister was visiting. And we were both walking around. I was called at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night to do this lonely shot of just me on the telephone. And we're walking around the set. And I just wanted to show her the, the beautiful house they used for the filming of the first series. And I wanted to show her the sets and everything. But there was nobody in the soundstage except way, way down the corner where they were going to be filming my phone call. And we both just had goosebumps and shivers. It was just a, an eerie Halloween feeling to the entire set. And it, it's probably our imagination, but it's, it's very, very strong, the sense of horror on that show. And you never, you know you're never safe. You know you can't get attached to any character because it's a true horror series. They'll they'll kill people off. They'll and and it's a hard sometimes sort of hard to watch, but it's so beautiful, so beautifully done that I'm I'm honored to be 
part of it. I was, I was very, very happy with my part. Although nobody could tell me whether I was good or bad, I, I would play the obstetrician in the first season who keeps telling Connie, uh, Connie Britton that her baby's just fine when her baby is not just fine. And I had to, I, ha- I kept asking the director and the producers. I said, "Am I? Do I know? Am I in on it? Am I bad?" And they go, "We haven't." We don't know. We haven't decided yet. <laughs> and I and so I would give them a couple of different takes, like where I would make my face a little bit blank after smiling. I would just do different things so that you could think anything. And I had friends phoning me up after the episode saying, "You are so in on it. It's you are you are evil." And I'm saying, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> You would get your lines um, the morning. You would. It just wasn't the way it always happened. But sometimes you'd arrive in your trailer, and they would say, "Oh, we have new lines for you," and they'd hand you your script pages, and it, you'd have to learn a few pages of of medical jargon and you know really interesting dialogue very very fast. And I would just sit there in the makeup trailer, learning them as fast as I could. And then once I I had to hold the chart and read something from it, and so I just went ahead and wrote the more tricky of my lines on the chart. So I was actually reading them when I said I was reading them because I thought this just I got these lines five minutes ago. I think I better just do this. The woman who played the realtor said to me, "I they just give me a new paragraph," and I said, "Write it on your real realtor brochure and read it off from there, and it'll it'll work, you know." And it did. You know, you just learn to you learn to do what you have to do and make it work. Definitely. Well, you know, and and you know, something like American Horror Story too. I mean, there's so many different ways it could have gone, and uh, it would have been an interesting take if you were in on it as well. I mean, it's it's amazing all the different directions a series can go, and that's going to bring me to you know comedy. And, of course, uh, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, you know, where you played Connie on there. I guess that's the opposite end of the spectrum. That's uh, typical, like, uh, slapstick sitcom humor, which is just you sit back, you laugh, you have fun. Um, You know, do you like doing, I guess, comedies as opposed to more drama? Or do you just kind of like everything? I, I absolutely like everything. But I must say, I think I tend to lean toward comedy probably because it's, so much fun. It's fun to laugh. It, it's also really fun to be dramatic and powerful. Or, or I really like being subtle and um, layered, and and you can do that sometimes a little bit more in drama. But that's that's not really true. All I know is that I I did a play this year that was really 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 serious with almost no humor in it, and it was really awesome. And the author of it uh, was a finalist for a Penn Award. It was a great great play called Open House by Shem Bitterman. And I I have many friends come to it who said, this is the longest I've seen you not be funny in my life. Because apparently, I guess I do do a lot of comedy. I didn't realize it. But I like them both. I did have one casting director um, who called me in long ago when I had just finished doing the David Chase series at the beginning of my career. And he said, so what are you doing now? And he was having me come and read for a major film. And I said, oh, I'm doing a Norman Lear sitcom. And he said, no, no, you have to pick one or the other. You can only do drama. You can't do comedy. This is, you know, an old-fashioned kind of idea. But that's an idea that died very hard. But fortunately, it is dying, that idea. Then we get to do both. But there was this strong feeling that I should brand myself as a great dramatic actress at the beginning. I remember David Chase saying, you're a great dramatic actress. And I thought, 
okay, yeah, but I really want to be silly, too. And Don't Trust the Bees, I would say, the closest to my real self as as the things I played, because she's pretty funny and kind of deadpan and kind of absurd. And um, that's me, I think. And that's the kind of thing. I would be happy playing that kind of a part forever. I could do that easily. It was so much fun. The Skyping, uh, my whole part on that was Skyping, and I am proud to say that, that was my idea. At my audition, you're supposed to, it was supposed to be just a talking head, like in Modern Family, you know, just talking to the camera. But I said, wouldn't it be funny, in my audition, I said, wouldn't it be funny if I'm actually Skyping with my daughter and I don't entirely understand technology and I'm sort of shouting, and they said, well, try it. So I did it, and they were laughing so hard, and they said, okay, now try it. You know, the way it's written, and I did it that way, too, and they were laughing again, and I got the part, and then next thing I know, it's in the script that we are Skyping, which is, I think, why it became a recurring part, because we got to keep calling and Skyping, and then James Vanderbeek's character got interested in me, and so he and I were Skyping together a lot, which made June, our daughter, you know, envious and pushed aside, and it was more comedy. It was really fun. I If the show had continued, I would hope that I would start mentoring um, the roommate, the B character, too, but I, I somehow doubt it. She's not mentorable. She was really wicked. <laughs> well, you know, and things like that, too, like you said, doing drama and comedy, and it's it's all over the spectrum, and it's going to be something for everybody. And that's going to also lead us to, you know, being live, you know, doing stage performances and things like that. Um, do you love working on stage where it's the initial immediate reaction from the audience, and you can kind of see them right there? You have to be game on that day? Absolutely. Um, the, old, the old saying is that, Theater is the actor's medium, and film is the director's medium. And the meaning of that is that once we're on stage, it's up to us to create the show. It's been directed, it's been staged, it's been lit and costumed, but now we have to keep it going ourselves. We have to make it happen, and we can feel the audience out there. With, of course, if it's a comedy, we can feel it you know, very easily. But I did a big old drama recently. I did the show The Curse of Oedipus that was a, you know, Oedipus and Jocasta and all that. And it was um, Greek drama. And I very much felt the audience. I could feel them with me just riding along the storm and steering them and communicating with them. And, and you can feel it when there isn't a sound in the audience, you can hear a pin drop and they're waiting for the next thing and they're breathless. And, and then in comedies, you can feel it when they're, they're, they're laughing so hard you have to manage to hold to their laugh while staying completely active in character and not making it appear you're holding. And then the next night when they're not laughing at that same line, you have to be ready to come right in and not make it look like you're holding for laughs. It's fun. It's, it's challenging. It keeps you on your toes. It's I, it's definitely my favorite, which is why all things considered, my absolute favorite medium in this business is the three camera sitcom because it's like doing a little play every week. You get in front of a real audience and you perform your play. And um, when we did the Powers That Be, we frequently did it from beginning to end without stopping. We didn't we didn't take for it. We took some time, forty five minutes, to do the entire show. Um, the pilot, when we were done with the pilot, Norman and Lear turned to the, audience, the uh, studio audience and said, I believe this might be the first time in history that a pilot 
has been made without once stopping. Because we were all uh, Broadway opening night actors. You know, John Forsythe, big Broadway actor, Holland Taylor, everybody. We were all theater people. And we just went out there planning to make it work. And we had that high energy, very on, completely never going to blow anything. We Nobody missed the line. We all hit our marks. We all knew what we were doing. And then it was over, and that was it. We went home. We were done after running through it once, and that was a, a very unique experience. But that's what three-camera sitcoms are always like in the sense of doing it in front of the audience and getting the laugh. But you also have to play for the camera, so you can't make it too big. It's that, it's that tricky thing. Definitely, you know, and it's like with something that, like you said, you've done so many different things, film, television, stage. I mean, there's so many different elements and uh, ways to deliver things uh, from every different element. And you seem to have tackled them all and going through them all and going through, I guess, your entire resume. Is there any one memory as you look back or one uh, film or one television series or stage performance that is the one, the one that you will always look back at. It'll be part of your memoirs or you name it. It's that one moment where you're going to look back and you will never forget it. Um, it's a cross between Almost Grown, the first series I did, which was created by David Chase, because that that was like learning the most in one year that I've ever learned. We only did 13 episodes and then the writer's strike killed it. It was the most beautiful show um in the world, it was the most beautifully written thing. And David, when he was starting to do The Sopranos, he used to talk about it sometimes, sort of wistfully. It was his, you know, it was his love child. It was a really beautiful show. But it died, you know, the entertainment industry's usual death. And I missed it for a while, and I really loved that character and that experience and that writing. And working with David was a great education, and we were very close, and I learned a lot, and then we had so much fun. But I would say it's a cross between that and something no one who's listening will, could possibly ever have seen, which was my um, a performance of Candide at the Goodman Theater in the 80s, where I played this very difficult part, Cunegonde. She sings all these coloratura soprano arias. It's, a, it's an amazing musical. Um, it's a, an operetta, really, by Leonard Bernstein. And that was such a terrific show. It had a million-dollar set by John Lee Beatty, and it was just a magnificent show, and I got to play really the role of a lifetime. I'd always loved the musical Candide. The music just slays me. And then I got to play this great, iconic part and have a terrific time doing it, and I got to make it funny, which some Kunigandas don't make it funny because it's really a singing part, and they usually hire an opera singer and then only make her do six shows a week and let someone else do the understudy of the matinee and so on. But I just did it like a theater piece and I made it as funny as I could and it was a I was very, very proud of my work in that and I made a lot of good friends in that and that was also just a big that was early in my career when I didn't know if I could pull something like that off and I guess the most thrilling thing was that about halfway through the run, the audiences began to stop the show after my big number. And stopping the show in this case was a huge deal because we had a turntable that would turn the next scene on. And um, they had to grind the turntable back and return to the former scene because, it, or because the actor who was waiting to act for the next scene 
is standing there and they're still roaring and stamping their feet and he he just walked off stage and said, you should go out there and take a bow. And I said, that's not what we do in the middle of a play. This is nuts. And so we always waited out. And at first I was cringing while they were clapping because I knew they were ruining the whole turntable thing. But then after a while I started sort of standing in the wings and listening to them roar and clap and thought, take this in, take this in and remember this, don't don't shrink against this, like take it in, remember this, don't ever forget it. And because I told myself consciously to remember it, I guess <laughs> it worked. I remember it and it meant a lot to me. Definitely. Well, we know you're busy and you have many different things on the horizon and and so much stuff out there. I mean, plus you've been part of so many people's lives, television, film, you know, on stage. I guess um, as we're, you know, about to let you go here and enjoy the rest of your day, is there any lasting thing you want to leave out there for all the fans of Eve out there, people who you have touched their lives in many different ways? Is there anything you'd like to leave out there for everybody during this holiday season? I would say thank you so much for watching these shows and movies that we make. We couldn't do anything in this business if we didn't have people falling in love with the work we do. It's what keeps the motor going. And if you ever see me on the street, don't be shy. I have people come up to me all the time and ask me if I'm the mom in Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, and I will always be I'm kind of that's very close to my real personality that person and I will absolutely say hi back well it was our pleasure having you on Eve and we hope you have a great holiday and you know you're welcome back anytime and we look forward to seeing you all over the big screen small screen on stage in the future I had a great time talking to you thanks a lot everybody bye bye I always think of never
Hi, this is Cal David, the voice of Sunny Eclipse, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. identification EC82 Happy holidays and welcome back down to the vault. It is I, Jason Claus, welcoming you once again with another digital present ready for you to watch. With Eve Gordon upstairs and the holiday season just slowly approaching, well actually more rapidly than I would like it to, but I do love this season as it is, so bring it on. I got to thinking, what would the Disney On Demand guests really like, not only from Eve, but for this new holiday season? So I rummaged through my list, checked it twice of course, and I thought, why not bring out what I kind of consider a lost classic from the 90s that just needs to be played during either setting up your tree, or having time with family and friends, or you know what, just sitting in front of the fire and watching a great movie. So for you today, I pull out the 1998, I will call it a hit, some may not agree, but that's okay, because you know what, I'll be home for Christmas. Unfortunately, I don't think many people considered this movie a hit. It's not out of the ballpark kind of hit, but it is a hit in the eyes of it being a great family film. Meet Jake Wilkinson, of course, played by Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Not the first and not the last film we'll see from this young man bringing us great Disney comedy. Just an average 18-year-old living the life in Southern California. The unfortunate thing is, is he hasn't been back home to New York since his mother passed away and his father has since remarried. And who wouldn't want to go home when your father is Gary Cole and your stepmother is Eve Gordon? No question there. Come on home. Bring the eggnog. But needless to say, Jake, not so willing. And of course, with a girlfriend like Allie, played by Jessica Biel, again, why wasn't this film the greatest? scratching my head. You're more reluctant to stay in, the, in California than going to snowy New York. But a few days before Christmas, Jake's dad makes him an offer that most of us would not refuse. Come home for Christmas by 6 p.m. and he would give him his vintage 1957 Porsche. Well, of course I would say yes. Jake, a little more reluctant. See, Jake had tickets to go to Cabo San Lucas with his girlfriend, as opposed to going home. Well, of course, Allie doesn't particularly like this because, well, she normally does go home for Christmas. And with this new offer for the car, Jake reconsiders, trades in the tickets, and they both head home. However, as Jake is getting ready to leave, he's kidnapped by his school enemy, Eddie and his three not-so-friendly friends dressed in Santa Claus outfits and sticks him in the California desert. Why would anyone do this? Well, for one, Santa Claus outfits are rather attractive. And two, as exams go and as enemies are in most Disney films, have done something wrong. And, well, Eddie would have preferred to have cheated on Jake's test so that he could pass his exams. Jake, being the boy that he is, chooses not to do so. 
The other side to Eddie being the mean individual that he is, is trying to find any way he can to become Allie's new boyfriend. This seems the most opportune way, considering that now that Jake is nowhere near able to take Allie back home, it is Eddie's opportunity to swing in and get the girl. And with this little side trip to the California desert, this only leaves Jake three days to get back home. Jake is bound and determined to get home, and he will find any means necessary. Along the way, he meets Nolan, a simple-minded thief, well, as simple-minded thieves go, who happens to be going to his dealer in New York. Jake is unaware of Nolan's little side habit and takes the ride. In that time, they're almost arrested, but Jake saves them by calling Nolan his elf, Snowpuff, and donates all the goods to a children's hospital. While at the hospital, Jake, Nolan, and Officer Max are all reminded how important family is. And again, one of the reasons why these Disney films are so great is the importance of family and unity in all of them. Because of this little side trip to the hospital, Nolan decides that he's giving up his life of crime and heading back to Nebraska to help win his wife back into his heart. In the kindness of the spirit, Officer Max, with the help of the kindness of Nolan's wife, helps Jake buy a bus ticket to New York. Things aren't going so well for Allie getting home either. During their ride, Allie and Eddie are stuck in a novelty hotel in a Bavarian village. They're celebrating Christmas as well, and during this time, they're doing a very large telecast of the whole event. And what's more important than a, a great Bavarian cream puff, or Lefse, if you're in Norway in Epcot, than to enjoy a great kiss cam under the mistletoe. It just so happens Eddie and Allie are there at the right moment, and of course Jake happens to be watching on his bus ride home. This infuriates him and Jake really wants to get to that village to stop what's going on. But the bus driver refuses, saying this is a non-stop bus trip back to New York. Jake's not done with this yet, and convinces the bus driver, with the help of a cooler, some lunch meat, and a conniving scheme, to report that Allie is an organ donor and needs to stop there immediately and have the bus detour to the Bavarian village. As Jake arrives in the room where Allie and Eddie are staying, Eddie walks out provocatively. Jake, of course, thinks things have gone on in the Bavarian village that shouldn't, but never did. Things seem patched up and perfect between Allie and Jake. Of course, until Jake puts his foot in his mouth once again, stating the information about the car and about what Eddie did to prevent him to get there. This infuriates Allie once again. She's quickly back on the bus to New York. That is, the bus that was taking Jake back home. Conveniently, in Jake's seat. The bus driver, of course out of concern, asks if Allie is the organ-doning recipient, realizing once again another lie from Jake. She, of course, agrees, sits in the seat, and heads home. Now, this isn't exactly how Jake really imagined getting back home, especially with your arch-nemesis in the driver's seat. This is all fine and dandy from Nebraska to Wisconsin when Eddie's had enough and Jake's out of the car. So, we have to come up with something unique for a guy to get back to New York. And, well, rather than sitting in New Glarus and eating cheese curds, Jake decides to enter the Santa run to win $1,000 
and a plane ticket home. While registering, Jake meets Jeff, who Jake barely beats in the race. What Jake didn't know is that Jeff is the, actually the mayor of the town, and Jeff has a history of winning the race. And that's nothing to brag about. The bragging part comes knowing that when Mayor Jeff does win the race, he gives the money to a charity that allows meals to be delivered to families in need. Well, this just makes Jake feel even worse. And again, the spirit of Christmas takes him over once again, and he leaves the money in the mayor's mailbox. In the process of leaving his money there, Jake is caught by the mayor. But the mayor notices what he's doing and offers him a seat at the table as family. But Jake declines, saying he does need to be someplace else. As I said, Jake said he needed someplace else to go, and he absolutely does, and he calls home and talks to his sister, who arranges for a plane ticket to get him from Madison, Wisconsin, go Badgers, back home. The only problem is, is, you know, TSA being the problem it is, uh, obviously he didn't take his shoes off or anything else. Oh wait, he has no photo ID to be able to get back on the plane. How is anybody going to get onto a plane and get home for Christmas? Well, Jake uses his ingenuity and stows into a dog kennel and is on the cargo hold on the way home. And finally, when he lands, he needs to get home. So from the airport, he hitches a ride on a train, he rides the roof of a car, and steals a one-horse open sleigh in a local parade. In that time, he finally is able to apologize to Allie, where of course they make up, and they arrive home just in time. 5.59 p.m. But Jake being the total smart butt that he is, and quite frankly, like someone in my family would do, waits one extra minute to 6 p.m. to go inside. Jake's father, of course, keeps to his word and offers the Porsche, but Jake realizing everything that he's gone through, it's far better to be home for Christmas than to be beyond, behind the wheel of a beautiful old porch. And in that time accepts his new stepmother into his family and all done in the beauty of a Santa suit. Like I said, I still can't believe there is no Blu-ray release on this. As you can tell by the review here, it's an absolutely fun-filled film. If you are able to find a, a DVD copy, which I believe there are a few outlets that are selling this for as low as $6, $6. I remember buying this in the store for 25 but that's just me. You don't get many items when it comes to extra features. And when it comes to Christmas movies, sometimes the little things are most important. Again, it's a basic Disney DVD release, so all you're really receiving is the theatrical trailer. You're able to receive subtitles, and it is done in French and English. A small film with big heart. So I would suggest staying home for the holidays if all possible and let Jonathan Taylor Thomas put a smile on your face. You won't be disappointed. Well, gang, the popcorn's empty and the curtain's coming down. It can only mean one thing. It's time to say goodbye to you and all my company. And I'd like to thank Eve for joining us here in the studio as we bring one of her fine films out from the vault to you. So, until next time, gang, remember, it is the holiday season, so it's a perfect time to snuggle up with the ones you love and watch one of those fine Disney films. I'll be back next week to bring you another fun-filled 
fanciful flick from the Disney vault. So until next time, gang, remember, the magic of Disney movies is always inside of you. you folks. Hey, are all you elves and reindeers having a good time tonight? Well, good, because right now I'd like to bring out our own furry funny man. Ladies and gentlemen, put your paws and hands together in a big North Pole welcome for Fozzie Bear! Thank you, thank you, and thank you! Fozzie Bear's my name, and comedy's my game. I'm happy to be here tonight at the North Pole Comedy Club. I'll sing a song for you, we'll have a laugh or two. It's Christmas time and we're feeling fine at the North Pole Comedy Club. Hey, how's everybody doing out there tonight? So why does Santa take presents to all the children of the world? Because the presents won't take themselves. No, 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 please don't leave. I just got started. Say, do you know where Santa stays when he's out on the road? At a ho, ho, ho town. You're going to love this one. What do you get if Santa comes down the chimney while the fire is still burning? What? Crisp Kringle! Waka waka! I've got a better question. When does it end? Fozzie Bear's my name, and comedy's my game. I'm happy to be here tonight at the North Pole Comedy Club. I'll sing a song for you, we'll have a laugh or two. It's Christmas time and we're feeling fine at the North Pole Comedy Club. Okay, let's see, where was that? Oh yeah, the elves! how elves say hello to each other? Small world, isn't it? Did you guys hear about the elf who put his bed into the fireplace? He wanted to sleep like a log. How many elves does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change the light bulb and nine to stand on each other's shoulders. You never tell the other folks, please. Fonzie Bear is my name. Comedy is my game. I'm happy to be here tonight at the North Pole Comedy Club. I'll sing a song for you. We'll have a laugh or two. It's Christmas time and we're feeling fine at the North Pole Comedy Club. Hey, and what's the story with those reindeer? I mean, why do they always wear fur coats? Probably because they look silly in snow suits. reindeer milk to a baby when it's a baby reindeer ah, no, no, don't turn on me now folks does anyone know what you call a reindeer wearing earmuffs anything you want because he can't hear you Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. It's Disney On Demand. 
Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, LVD heads, so I am back once again, and thank you once again, Jason, for stopping in with the vault, adding that DVD and Blu-ray to our collections. And I'd also like to thank our very special guest, Eve Gordon, for stopping in here this week. Fantastic work, great classics that we all know and love, from I'll Be Home for Christmas, Felicity, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, and more. And I'm excited to see what you have coming up next on the horizon. Thank you once again, Eve, for stopping in and celebrating the holidays with us here at the show. So, LVD heads, with that said, before I let you go, I want to extend a very special thank you to all the D-Team. Yes, everybody who makes the show complete. Without the D-Team, there would be no show. I'd also like to thank you, the D-Heads. Without you, there definitely would be no show. You are the reason we do these shows every single week. The reason that we come back at you and bring you that special, that something different with our new kind of Disney show, with that extra special magical thing in your ear every single week. So I'd like to thank all of you, the D-Heads, as well. Now, before I let you go and I let you know who's going to be stopping in here next week as we continue with our holiday fun. I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand and first and foremost you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com that's D-I-Z Radio.com there you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com you can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand you can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash John Diz That's J-O-N-D-I-Z. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Disney Blue, B-L-U, or Diz Radio. D-I-Z Radio. And remember, you can always subscribe to the latest shows in iTunes and Stitcher Radio and get the latest show right there on your mobile device, your tablet, and more. Just by subscribing, just search Diz Radio or Disney On Demand. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, as we continue to stay warm during this chilly season, especially if you're in the Midwest like us here at the show, we want to keep it warm, we want to keep it tropical. And how else are we going to do that but by heading away to a tropical island? And next week, for show number 93, we're going to get warmed up, get heated up, and be part of the Castaway crew, as we have none other than the iconic Don Wells, yes, Mary Ann from Gilligan's Island, stopping in here at the show. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I hope you enjoy the holidays. Make those memories. Whether you celebrate Christmas like myself, Hanukkah, or Kwanzaa, just make the most of it and spend that time with your family. And as I always say, never neglect family for business. Until next week, all of you D-heads, I'll catch you online and Merry, Merry Christmas. Have you ever thought there wouldn't be no Santa Claus? But look what the store just brought, thank God for kids. We'd all live in a quiet house without Big Bird or Mickey Mouse. And Kool-Aid on the couch, thank God for kids. Thank God for kids, there's magic for a while. Special kind of sunshine and a smile Do you ever stop to think or wonder why The nearest thing to heaven is a child Daddy, how does this thing fly In a hundred other ways and why Really don't know, but you try to thank God for kids. When you look down in those trusting eyes, 
They look to you, you realize There's love that you can't buy Thank God for kids Thank God for kids There's magic for a while Special kind of sunshine and smile Do you ever stop to think I wonder why When you get down on your knees tonight To thank the Lord for His guiding light And pray they turn out right Thank God for kids Thank God Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.